0: Your fears of your email, moving your email and documents to the cloud are justified, fully justified. There's a bunch of amateurs out there that really just don't know what they're doing. Um, and, and how would you know if you had one of those, right? And and on top of that, how would you know if this person or group of people that are going to help you migrate your your email and documents to the cloud uh, is going to make a mess of it, Right. So today, me and Dave are going to tell you the five secrets that we, just the biggest five secrets that we found uh, to make sure that your migration to the cloud is problem free. Well, if you haven't been here before, welcome to No Law Firm Left Behind. We're here to help your law firm be more competitive, your staff and your attorneys be more productive, and that ultimately help you get more clients calling. Uh, I'm Jim Gast, and I'm joined today by my great friend and partner, Dave Myers. Hi, Dave. How are you? Jim? Good, and you? Great. I'm really excited for this topic. Um, so, Dave, let me set the scene here for you, okay? Sure. All right. Uh, let's get right into this. 130-person law firm. Uh, heck, I don't even care if it's a 10-person law firm or five-person law firm. Number's not important. Uh, calls you up and says, "Hey, Dave. You know, we we hear you're the best in this in the country at you know Microsoft 365 migrations for law firms, uh, <laughs> and we really want you to help us." Uh, come in you go in there you sit down you sit down at the table with them great big meeting room great big conference room five people there you got the technology committee head you've got the managing partner you get the IT director uh and and they say okay Mr. Mr. Myers give it to us what's the first thing you tell them
1: stop. first thing you,
0: stop the first thing i tell them is stop all right wait a second
1: because most of the time when I've seen something go sideways, people have already come up with a plan and sometimes even begun taking steps to execute that plan without actually doing their homework in the first place and really getting a true lay of the land. Mm -hmm. The problems that generally result in a Microsoft 365 migration, whether it be email, documents, or both, are typically created by not realizing the little behind-the-scenes gotchas that you might only experience mid-migration, which is not when you want to find a gotcha, okay? And so I always say, let's slow it way down and make sure we understand everything about the current environment before we even think about moving and, and, the man-
0: and the managing partner sitting there, right? And the managing partner who is under the gun to get everything done before the end of the year is hearing you say stop. And, and he or she blurts out and says, wait, wait a second. Wait, I, I thought this was going to be easy. No, it's never going <laughs> Isn't um, this a button to push? Don't we just push a button? That's That's it?
1: So fortunately, with the right tools, you can remove a lot of the headache involved in the process itself. Um, The trick is making sure that you're choosing the right tool for the job and making sure that whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish is, first of all, doable. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: second of all, you're using the right mechanism to get from point A to point B. Okay, Just like you can get from Cincinnati to Cleveland by way of South Bend, Indiana doesn't mean that it's the best way to get there. It's going to create a lot of frustration to do that. Okay. And And sometimes that's necessary though. Sometimes it's necessary. If for example, I-71 is shut down, there might have to be detours. You might need to understand, hey, because of some very specific circumstance in your environment, we can't do it the normal way. Yeah. You're going to have these problems. So we got to plan ahead of time on what we can expect to go wrong and how can we mitigate or possibly even eliminate that problem. But you can't even begin to know what those issues are until you've stopped and done your homework and
0: looked at what these gotchas really are. So so let's go ahead. So so let me really define number one secret. Okay. It's a planning workshop. Mm Mm-hmm. call it a workshop call it what you will call it a meeting it doesn't matter everybody puts funny little labels on them okay but it has to be planned out and documented correct
1: it's something that you don't just wing and this is where having a an experienced person that's done a lot of these um to come in and help you just like the old adage with buying a house, you might only buy a house once or twice in your life, but your real estate agent is involved in it all the time. It's very similar here. Many times, even the most experienced internal IT person might have only done a Microsoft 365 migration once, twice, usually zero times. And I'm talking about really talented folks. Oh yeah. Very talented. Haven't had to do this. And so they don't, They've not been beat up on 30, 40, 50 migrations in the last two years.
0: Seen all of the ups and downs, all the intricacies of different environments. Yeah, The
1: the one thing that I will tell you is, and I say this at the beginning of every project, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to come up that we didn't anticipate. You're going to have something unique about your environment that even I've never seen before.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: I've done a lot of these. And so for somebody that hasn't done many, if any at all, the ability to sit down and go through and say, all right, did you look at this? Did you look at that? Did you look at this? Did you document this? You, you have to have someone that's experienced to come in and sit down and run you through this process before you even s- s- sign up for your tenant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, before you even sign up for your Microsoft 365 account, you really should sit down and go through this workshop process because there are certain things that you do at the very beginning
0: that can't be changed easily. If it'll yeah. 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 Well, let's just throw it out there, Dave. I mean, let's not, let's you not, know, not you know, me. one this of the things that about, I see more often than not, the secrets, right. That's about giving away the secrets. So let's, yeah. let's tell them. Um, one of the things that I see from
1: the very beginning is choose your tenant name wisely. Wow. Okay. And mm. this happens during the initial setup process. Every time you sign up, you get a dot on Microsoft.com. So you get a sub subdomain of that. Um, and I have seen many, many instances where somebody signs up with the wrong subtenant name or they oh sign God. up with a subtenant name, but then the managing partners come back and say, oh, well, we really didn't want the LLC in there. Yeah. We don't
0: like that. Well. Well, the other thing, actually, what's maybe even worse, law firms have people's names, last names in them. I have mm-hmm.
1: seen law firms that have their consultants' names. Oh in gosh. there.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: so instead of xyz firm dot they have bill johnson xyz dot on Microsoft dot com.
0: Because Bill Johnson is a consultant and didn't know what he, he was doing. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you might think to yourself, well, that's fine. Isn't my email going to be at xyzfirm.com? Yes. But when you start getting into file sharing, for example, that vanity domain is going to show Bill Johnson Microsoft.com slash and then whatever your SharePoint site name is. Yeah. Yeah. So – You know, just little things like that from the very onset, if you don't really know how each one of these steps goes, you could make a little tiny mistake that causes huge headaches. I have been involved in multiple instances where I've had to run full migrations, which cost clients lots of money
0: to move from one tenant to another just because the original one had a stupid name. Well, that or the firm name changed. They, you know, maybe it was a 10 person firm and they had a split um, and one of the partners decided to go another yeah, way and yeah. the yeah. partner stayed together. And something, yeah, and and that's, uh, you know, a lot of times it's inevitable and it's not
1: something yeah. you necessarily can plan for, yeah. but it's making those little mistakes that cause a lot of headaches down the road. Yep. 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 That's what we really want to make sure that we avoid. And so what I'd like to do, Jim, if it's okay, is I, I would like to kind of go through, you know, in, in a workshop what are some of the things that we're looking for? Yeah. yeah, And I know that that's several more of our tips here, you know, that I'll let you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the ideas give best practices away. Yep. So when you sit down in this workshop, you need to look at several things. The first thing that you got to look at is what are you currently using? All right, if you don't understand your current state, then you can't make a good plan. And when I say, what are you using? It's a lot more than saying we use email. We use, you know, file shares. Um, That's all well and good, but we need to dig deeper into that. We need to start thinking about, okay, that's great. You use email. Are you using on-premise exchange? Are you using Yahoo? Are you using um, something else? Do you have some
0: weird mail server? You know, or I shouldn't say weird, but... Well, non- are you using to that. connect to it? Are, you, are they using Chrome? Are they using Safari? They or are they using Outlook? Outlook? Yeah. If yeah. they're yeah. using Outlook or anything else, do
1: they have integrations either at the email server level, do they have integrations at the Outlook endpoint level? You know, do you have the do you have some sort of system in place where you can check presence of other people from within Outlook or via the web? If you don't dig into this, what are all the things that you're using? And I'm talking, you know, you got to look at your phone system. Mm-hmm. You got to look at copiers and scanners. You have to look at any line of business applications that you've got in
0: place at your firm. For example, Dave, give some examples of that so people understand that a little bit better.
1: Okay. So there are in a number of, you mean the line of business applications? Oh, yes. So let's just take your typical case management application, first of all, okay? And there's a whole bunch of flavors of this out there. And what a lot of them focus on is communicating with the client so as you update things or as the client updates things you're getting notified they're getting notified and a lot of times this is being done through an email server now many of them will have uh, a built-in mail server that will use some sort of you know proprietary name, but most of them will also give you the ability to use your custom email domain to send and receive emails. So instead of coming from at product com, it would come from at xyzfirm.com, which is what you really want when you're sending things to your client. But in order to make that happen, a lot of times there's configurations that take place between the case management system and your email system, so could, you can provide certain links. It could be a billing system,
0: you know. It could, could really be a billing system for sending out loans.
1: electronic invoices. Yep. It yep. could be,
0: you know. I mean, there, there's so yeah, there many different. It. There's so many different things out there, and these are on-premise applications, Dave. I mean, a lot of people don't think. Hey, we might have Mailchimp configured to our email server. We might have an um, um, a hosted application configured to our on premise email.
1: So let's give a great example. Let's take that Mailchimp for example. Okay, Um, if you're setting up Mailchimp and you're sending from Mailchimp, you've got a certain way you have to do. Without getting too technical, there's this concept of DNS. Okay, and it's the idea that when you send out emails, you have certain public records that say, hey, emails from me should come from this location. Yeah, and security. It's kind well, of security. It's a very much security
0: issue. It's to try and avoid getting flagged as spam and things like that. Well, not okay. only that, but if you move that email server from here... And Mailchimp is expecting to see it from here, and now all your email is going here. Or it doesn't have to be Mailchimp; it could be any any application, QuickBooks, or it whatever. Could be on the any application it's you know,
1: looking you know, to go from
0: point A to point B, but you've
1: moved to point moved C. To A. Yeah, exactly. And so now all of a sudden, it's trying to find a server in your office, and you've moved to the cloud, and it doesn't know that. All of a sudden, it doesn't work. So, so number two
0: tip here okay of the five we're talking about integrations in the workshop you need to talk about integrations inside integrations outside integrations sideway integrations i mean our phones and stuff like that right um or maybe you know who knows right but scanners copiers phone systems line of business applications being case management billing and accounting you know and so on document management systems outside being crm applications marketing applications accounting applications you need to look at all of these things and determine if they'll work with whatever you're moving to. And in the one we're talking about today is Microsoft 365. Yeah. Uh, just a simple not being able to scan a document for a litigation firm, you know, bringing in evidence, right, or discovery information can really almost bring down a trial sometimes, right? And so we've had had
1: people come to us before and uh, say, Hey, you know, we did this and a lot of our stuff doesn't work. And then we have to go in and figure it out in in the heat of battle, go through and figure out, okay, what do you, what, what do you have here? What did, what did you not see? And then we got to fix it.
0: We had one recently where it was um, it was out of Dayton, Ohio. And uh, they had a Microsoft 365. Uh, It was actually a Microsoft 365 to Microsoft 365 environment but they had an Azure uh, tenant, mm-hmm. um, not to worry about what that is, another cloud product from Microsoft, in, integrated and working with that right. Microsoft 365. So, and they had they didn't know because they it just always had been there, and then right. IT turnover, right. and so no one knew. So, second thing in that workshop. Second thing, workshop. Second thing, talk about integrations, Dave. I want to move move forward. Yes. Um, Boy, I got to tell you what, I, I love this one. And in that workshop, shared calendars, delegations, you want to get into that one? Yeah. So um, here, here's how I would like to classify that. All yeah. right. There, there's really several things.
1: We talked about what other stuff are we using that integrate with the programs, mm-hmm. with our email encounter. Um, we also have to talk about how people are using it. So that's the next item. And that really encompasses all this calendar sharing all the delegate mailbox delegation, um, and for anyone that doesn't know what that means, is I'm going to give somebody else permission to go into my mailbox and you know review and reply for my emails as if they were me. Okay, um, and so uh, there are oftentimes lots and lots of people that have shared lots and lots of things with other people. Then you have a whole other area of publicly shared calendars, folders, etc., where. Your administrator might have set up the ability for certain people to get to things and multiple people can get to a single mailbox so that everybody can kind of check it, you know, and somebody's always got their eyes on it. Well, if you don't go through and identify all these up front, in many, many instances, if you just do a vanilla migration and just what kind of copy and paste the data, oh my God. you're not going to have any of that.
0: Then and everybody's everybody going to happen have, is the next day people are going to be like, see.
1: where are all my calendars?
0: Yeah. Why yeah. can't I
1: get to this email? And legal now all of a sudden you've got a CE, you know, you've got a managing partner who relies on his legal assistant to manage their inbox. Yeah. And now this assistant can't manage that inbox anymore, which means that the managing partner's emails are going unresponded to.
0: Well, not to mention the calendar.
1: You know, yeah, I mean the calendars are obvious. If you can't see yeah. the calendars that you need to that you need to see or that you expect to see, you're gonna have
0: a whole lot of problems with scheduling. And so you're gonna be number, blind. And so that's number three. For for sake of time, tip number three. Uh document your your sharing for your users, yep. who's sharing what calendar to who. There are some tools that can help you do this. Uh, If it's not too big of an organization, just send us, you know, have everybody uh, fill out a form, create a web form uh, on Microsoft Forms is a great place and have everybody fill that out because it creates a great spreadsheet for documentation. Dave, we're talking a lot about email migration. Uh, You wanted to say, you want to add something? Well, I mean, I was going to say, you know, sort of the, the,
1: I want to throw in a a 3.5 before we get to five because. Three point five has to do more with the files and the files.
0: I was going to get into that, yeah.
1: And so, um, but I don't want to go past five points because we said we were just going to have five. So this is three point five. I don't think
0: um, bonus. No one minds a
1: a lot of the same things that apply to email and calendaring and all that stuff apply to documents as well. A lot of times you won't realize the number of document integrations that you might have in place. Um, just one of the things to bear in mind is that let's just take, for example, uh, you're using on premise SharePoint and you're migrating to an online SharePoint. There are certain features that are available in on premise SharePoint that don't exist Mm -hmm. in online SharePoint. Now, as time goes on, that parity gets a lot more in line between the two, but there could still very well be some custom things that you rely on that you're not going to have post migration. So if you don't know that upfront, and make a plan on how we're going to address this after the fact, you're going to have problems. You might be doing a lot of versioning control, and you need to make sure that you choose the right migration tool to preserve all your versions as you migrate things. You might have um, certain limitations online, That just a stupid one, file length name limitations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or file name length is what I meant. You know, so there are a lot of, little nuanced items that if you don't pay attention to it and you don't have it
0: post migration, it's going to cause a problem. So, so, so the managing partner is sitting there and she's saying to herself, well, we don't use on-premise SharePoint. So that's not a problem. We just use file shares and, uh, and right. people keep stuff in their desktops.
1: And so do we know so exactly master- who has access to what and who should have access to what? Because that stuff doesn't map one-to-one.
0: No, not always.
1: You know, and so a lot of times you have to recreate that security structure even before you begin the migration or else you've got a mess on your hands. Next thing you know, everybody in the staff and I've seen this, everybody in the staff has access to the entire set of HR files. Really bad situation. It's a very bad
0: situation. So you really need to think about all this stuff ahead of time. So I would call that our 3.5. Yeah, no, I'd say that's pretty close to 3.5 and 4 actually. You know, well, I think you hit right on what I was going to say when when it comes to OneDrive, and, you know, moving documents into OneDrive yeah. and SharePoint.
1: So, I would say the next big point, and these two, they cut, kind of, we'll consolidate five and six. How's that sound? <laughs> okay.
0: I don't think anybody cares. We're <laughs> getting a lot of a lot of tips here. It's all good.
1: Um, I don't do well with change. Um, so, the the last and most important thing is after you've done all this homework and you've identified all the different stuff you're using, all the other programs that work into it, then point number four, only then you make your plan. But yeah. the most important point is not just that you make a plan as to what you're going to do, but your plan has to include a rollback slash contingency plan. Yes.
0: Yes. yes. Any
1: plan you put together that does not include steps for when it doesn't work and look most of the time it works really really well but it's that old saying you always hope for the best but plan for the worst if you're not planning for the worst you're going to be very unhappy if you become the person that gets the worst. So you have to say, look, we've done our homework, we've got our plan. But if something goes sideways, if something doesn't go as we expect it to, if the migration just doesn't work, if all of a sudden the data, we get in there and it's all messed up, or even something more simple or common as, hey, we've got a handful of people that for some reason their outlook will not connect. their phone, we're having problems getting our phones to connect to our new email system. You got to have a plan for what you're going to do
0: next. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it could be something as simple as saying, all right, fine. We know that somebody might have problems with their outlook and it might need to be, you know, significantly troubleshooted. Um, But in the meantime, we're going to make sure that they understand completely how they can get to all their email encounter and contacts on the web through Outlook Web Access. It, 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 your 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 contingency plan can be as simple as that. But if you don't think about it and you don't communicate it ahead of time, you end up with very unhappy users and lots of loss of productivity.
0: I think that um, I, I have two bonuses, Dave, that Excellent. I want to throw in. And we'll end on these, right? Um, one, a communication strategy. Mm-hmm. You have to pre-communicate to everybody in the organization, yes. what's going to happen. You can't change the tires on somebody while they're driving their car, right? I mean, imagine it's the same thing. You're, you're, people cannot just keep working and, and not understand what's happening because all of a sudden you know, emails move, documents have moved, and they don't know what to do. So communication is an absolute essential. Um, and and along with that is a, a communication backup strategy, right? Our email's down, how are we going to communicate to all of our staff? So that's one additional thing. Um, and then then the last thing I'd like to add, Dave, is from an organization perspective, uh, it, this is the responsibility of the consultant actually to say this to the organization. You're not going to touch anything until our work is done from an administration and change perspective. Too many hands in the pot will absolutely ruin the soup. Um, so we've seen situations where uh, consultants, well, we actually—I'll just say we actually were working in an environment doing a migration, and, and an IT person decided, "Oh well, I want to start sharing OneDrive documents for my partner. We need it now." And they went in and just did something, and really just threw everything. Oh, it's horrible! Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And who do you blame on that, right? So IT, uh, firm ownership, leadership, you you cannot expect to put your hands in there and use stuff without prior authorization before the project is complete.
1: Just You, yeah, you got to just make sure that you're talking and planning, you know, yeah. and just not acting. That's the biggest problem. And it kind of brings it all full circle. When it you does. say what's the first thing I say, it's stop. Yeah, Do your homework. Don't just act. That's when the lion's share of problems surface. So it really, you know, it all comes down to have that workshop,
0: do that planning, do your homework. You got it. Well, Dave, great topic. Next week, we're going to round this off. We're going to round it off. What's our final topic in this series? Is it applications? I think talking about applications. I think that's the title of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about my line of business applications, cool. line of business applications. Anyway, uh, again, no law from left behind uh, here every week. We are back again next Tuesday. And if you're not a member of our No Law Firm Left Behind group on LinkedIn, here's its wonderful link from LinkedIn. Please, LinkedIn, this is a this is a plea with you to get us pretty names for our groups in LinkedIn. Uh, and and don't bother writing it down if you uh, we'll, we'll only be here for a second. Take a picture of it with your phone, um, but I'll also have a link to it in the uh, comments of this video. We put all of our all of our stuff there, uh, and you can find links to all of our podcasts as well. Um, there. So Dave, thanks a lot. Great topic. I really appreciate it, Tom. See you all again next week. Take care. Bye everyone. Have a good week.